Who's that? You must be new. That is Bruce Wayne. Mr. Wayne, Clark Kent, Daily Planet. What's your position on the Bat Vigilante in Gotham? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the law is a little hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien. You could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's Gotham City in me. Have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Mm, Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. You know the oldest lie in America, Senator? That power can be innocent. That son of a bitch brought the war to us. You know you can't win this. It's suicide. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. Time you learn what it means to be a man. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. If man won't kill God, the devil will do it. What have you done? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. What's up, peacekeepers? It's time for another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, coming to you from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and just about anywhere else you can listen to a podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm very excited to be with you for this episode and joining me, as he always does here on the IPC Podcast, is my co-host and my good friend, Mr. Ben Hart. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be back and glad to be, I guess, continuing our yeah. 
Superman discussion with uh, something we teased last week. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And unfortunately, Jake couldn't be with us. He had some family obligations to attend to. Being married tends to do that to a person, doesn't it? Apparently so. Apparently so. I... We're, we're, we're learning that, having a married man on the show regularly. <laughs> Well, it's funny you should mention that. In in place of Mr. Married Damon, it's a fellow who just became a father recently, and he's been a co-host of mine on a, on a couple of different podcasts, and he's got a really awesome podcasting network of his own. Uh, stepping into the batter's box as the pinch hitter, it's the host of a brand new Star Wars podcast. Please welcome Mr. Sean Giroux. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This was uh, <laughs> This was definitely spur of the moment. It was. We we have a tendency to be a little spontaneous, but finding ways to make it work, and uh, we're just grateful that you had the time to be able to hop on board with us at this really late hour on a random day of the week. We're totally broadcasting live on a Friday night, aren't we, guys? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah totally. Just keep going with that. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, that's what we'll have you believing. Um, but like you said, Ben, this is a continuation of a discussion that we've had previously, and so this episode may be a little shorter than other ones that we've had simply because we've talked about it before. And we've gone into great detail about the the plot and the characters and everything that's going on, and this is more like a, a revisit, a touch-up, if you will. Yeah, and it's definitely. interesting that this discussion happens to be coming around the time that we, uh, that we were recording – because the news just recently broke about some other interesting stuff from the DCEU, particularly with director Zack Snyder, who was the director of the film that we're talking about tonight, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yep. That's our topic of the evening is Batman v Superman. Came out in 2016, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, 2016. that does sound right. And uh, the the news that broke was about the movie that came after that, which was Justice League. We've reviewed both of those movies before. We may end up doing another review of Justice League at some point. But um, what's interesting is Variety just broke the news, as did several other places. But we're going off of the Variety article that uh, this hashtag that's been going around the Internet for – uh, probably well over a year now, this release, the Snyder Cut, actually found its way to the right executives within Warner Media, and they have actually greenlit the production of a Zack Snyder rendition of the Justice League movie. Sage, you're our guest. I'm going to toss it to you first. What are your thoughts on the production of a Snyder Cut Justice League? Well, my first thought is, uh, let me pinch myself, because did a fan petition just work? Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I'm pretty cynical when it comes to, the, to whenever I see someone do a petition. It's like, okay, well, I mean, cool, but this is going nowhere. And uh, the, the release, the Snyder Cut, has gone nowhere for, for years. It it's stayed front and center on social media when it comes to DC fans. And uh, I was utterly stunned today when I seen that it was confirmed. It's a it's a crazy thing, and I, I never would have thought that that fan petition was actually going to work. But Ben, it actually gives me hope for your petition now about getting uh, the Siege of Mandalore arc spliced together into a whole movie. Although that one's got like two thousand signatures or something like that, according to one of the articles I read today, the petition to release the Snyder Cut got a hundred thousand signatures 
within like the first five days of the petition. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, now, now I am uh, going all release the felony cut. That that's my mantra now because apparently these things work. Um, and I don't know. I think this is. I mean, I I'm pretty excited about this. Like, and as I said, like I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan. I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan, but you know, obviously being someone who saw the potential in Justice League and saw that potential pretty much fall apart in front of our eyes this is very intriguing this is very like okay i didn't i wasn't campaigning for this i wasn't all i never tweeted release the snyder cut or anything like that but now that it's happening i'm like okay i'll watch this i will absolutely watch this and you know hey i mean this is a new a new day a new uh a new day dawning on us with uh, a a dawn of justice maybe in regards to Uh Like, uh, you know, what this means for, you know, fan petitions and just fan outcry and the fact that fans, if they cause enough of a stir, they can get what they want. Um, And, you know, I know there is some concerns for people going like, oh, you know, all these people and there was some, yeah, there was some Snyder fans that didn't really react very well to this, but I still think this movie could have been great and maybe Snyder's version could be great. It also might suck, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. I think that's the interesting thing is that we now have the opportunity to do a comparison contrast, whereas everything up until now has just been pure speculation. And so the fact that there were enough executives at Warner to say, yeah, this is a good idea. Like from what I heard, they got somebody from HBO Max. They got somebody from D.C. They got somebody from Warner Media, two people actually from Warner Media. And uh, the Snyder's agent, Zach and Deborah's agent, were all at the Snyder's house. And all he did was show them some of his material from the hard drive that he's got. And it was enough to get everybody in the room, according to reports that I read, it was enough to get everybody in the room enthusiastic enough to actually say, let's do this. And now they're getting the original post-production team that Snyder originally hired. They're getting the original editors that he originally brought onto the production. Like, everybody that was originally a part of Snyder's production is coming back to help him edit and post-produce the material that he's got at his disposal. Yeah, and they're supposedly throwing, like, like a lot of money back at this to make this happen. Millions. So much. So... So it's almost as if they're like remaking this movie. Like it's not even like just re- it's it's not even a release the Snyder cut. It's remake Justice League basically. More or less because from what I've heard Zack Snyder has actually never watched the theatrical release. Wow. He's, he's heard like word of mouth from other people about what it turned out to be. And he said, based on what I'm hearing, only about 40% of what I made actually made it into the theaters. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I wonder who was credited on that movie because, like, you know, it, who got the director credit? Because if Joss Whedon reshot that much and reused that much, like, he would have gotten the director credit if it was over, like, 60%. I but believe so. I, I think but, it was Zack Snyder that got it. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know the I, whole history I, here. It's weird. Weird. I, I I don't recall. But Sage, what do you make of Warner? Not here. Here here's the twofold question for you. Number one, what do you make of the report that they're investing another thirty million dollars into this post production? And what do you make of it ending up on HBO Max instead of being some kind of a cinematic re-release or something like that? Well, uh, I don't know if I'm getting my wires crossed in terms of, uh, you know, overall companies and who owns who. Uh, This almost seems like the perfect firestorm in order to do the Snyder Cut, um, regardless of them redoing a bunch of stuff and investing $30 million into it. Because HBO Max is launching and, you know, you need new material for that. Well, uh, there's no new Game of Thrones show yet, and who knows when we'll see that. And I know HBO has a lot of material, but uh, I can't help but wonder, is HBO putting some of the bill for the uh, to actually, you know, the $30 million that's going into production in order to get this back out there? Is that uh, a Warner Brothers thing, or is that... From what I understand, Warner Media owns HBO Max. Oh, well then... I mean, it still makes sense to an extent, though, when you think about it, because they're trying to push this uh, this new streaming service that seems to be the popular way of doing things nowadays. And uh, until now, the only thing they've been able to push was having access to all of Friends on there. Yeah, which I mean, don't get me wrong, Friends is great, but that's only going to do so much for you. And uh, you know, Disney Plus had the Mandalorian at launch. Uh, is it CBS that has the uh, Star Trek show? Uh, Picard. I think it's CBS. Yep. Uh, so you know, and now to have the Snyder Club, the Snyder Cut, pardon me, exclusively release on there. Uh, you know, it's probably worth the investment to them because it's going to have a bunch of people sign up just to see this thing. I, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be signing up for at least a month of it just to see it. Like that. That's the thing about this movie is it's enough to get people interested, like you said, to try and sign up for it, even if it's on a temporary basis. And it's it's going to generate a lot of hits, I feel like. Um, ben, what do you make of the one of the other articles? I think it was Hollywood Reporter that speculated um, instead of a four or four and a half hour long movie, they may try and break it up into like a four to six episode miniseries. That would be interesting. I, I don't feel like, I don't know, a four hour movie sounds pretty not practical. Whereas I think well, people, I mean, but, they've done that with the Lord of the Rings, though, and that proved really popular. Well, are any of the Lord of the Rings four hours? Are they all? I thought they were like the, three the, and a half something. The extended editions are four hours plus. Uh, you're right. Okay, color color me wrong because people love the extended editions, so maybe people would be totally on board with it. Um, I think I, I still think the extended editions are for more hardcore fans. I, True. I, 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 that's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong again, but I feel oh, like no. that's for a more niche audience. Whereas if they're trying to sell this as this is the updated new version, and anybody, and if you didn't like Justice League, you can may like this one. I feel like that's hard. If they really have that much, they need to either probably cut it into two movies, cut it into a mini series, or just cut it down to a decent length. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like they were already planning Justice League Part One and Part Two. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what their plan was, but I do like the idea of a miniseries. I like the idea. I mean, TV is king now. It really is. So, like, if they wanted to break this up and they have enough footage, heck yeah, I would sit down and watch that no problem. Yeah, I think think that's the tough part is Snyder's vision was so vast and so large 
that it was really, really tough for him to get it to the version that Warner wanted for the theatrical release anyways. Like, he had about four hours of content, and they were looking for a two-hour content, and he had to compromise with two and a half hours before he had to leave the program. Yeah, and then they ended up cutting it down just to two hours straight. Right. So, it, like, that's that's what he means when he says his material got butchered down to about 40% of what he did, because he originally had four hours worth of stuff, and it got cut in half, so that's 50% right there, and then he wasn't even a part of those all two hours. Like a lot of it got reshot and remade. So it's like, who knows just how much of this was actually his. I'm really curious to see what things may be the same and what things may be different. Sage, how difficult do you think it's going to be, especially during this COVID crisis for them to be able to bring the actors and actresses back for any potential reshoots or, or uh, recordings that may need to be done in order to help with the adjustments for this for this production, I, I can't help but wonder if there is actually going to be any you know in person reshoots, especially during this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a, a you know a ton of footage for this thing. Uh, now, obviously, there needs to be a whole lot of uh, uh, ADR done, but I mean, a lot of people can do that from home now. Yeah, and right. That stuff set up in, uh, you know, their basement, their spare bedroom, etc. And it does happen even on Hollywood productions. So, uh, if their goal though is to bring a bunch of people back into the same space, uh, 2021 might be a lofty goal to uh, to obtain in terms of releasing it. Even with the hefty budget they've been allotted, I feel like they still greenlit this only because they have probably 90% of the footage they need to make this happen, I would assume. I mean, if you're talking about the all this grand vision and how he had, you know, like three hours worth of content and they cut it down to two, like, there's a lot on the cutting room floor they can still use. So, I'm assuming there's a huge chunk of stuff that they can pick from to make this happen, to make whatever, to make Zack Snyder's vision a reality without bringing in actors and stuff like that to a studio. Yeah, I, I, w- I would tend to agree. It's just there's a lot of mixed reports coming in right now because there's not a whole lot of official news. But from from what I heard, there may be some sequences that at least need to be re-recorded. And so, you know, how are you going to bring back Gal Gadot? How are you going to bring back Henry Cavill? How are you going to get Ben Affleck to do anything Batman-related again? <laughs> like, there's... There's still a few details that need to be ironed out, but I feel like if this is something that's been in the works and it's just now being announced, then they probably have a lot of those details hashed out, and they've just been working on it behind the scenes, working on it behind our backs. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with that. Um, it's definitely – I mean have we ever really experienced anything like this before? Like it's – I'm just fascinated by this whole process of like having a movie come out, having the unprecedented circumstances of having a director be so involved with you know creating this whole universe, not just this movie, and then mm-hmm. stepping away at the last minute to deal with some personal problems, having another director come in and basically botch the whole thing, or I think it was more the studio than than uh, Joss Whedon, but I think Joss Whedon is enough of a, a geek god that no one wants to blame him for anything. Right. But... Uh, Ultimately, like the fact of we had a movie, nobody liked it, and now it's basically getting remade 
Like that's crazy. Like this is insane. And you don't have to you don't have to agree with the circumstances of oh, you know, this is sets a precedent for artists being able to express their vision, yada yada yada. Um still it is a fascinating thing. I'm I'm curious to see like how different is this gonna be? You know, is this going to be actually a good movie? I mean, because, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Zack Snyder, but is this going to please his fans? Are they going to be happy after this is all over with? I think he brought up a good point there, though, that uh, I'd like to emphasize on here is that Hollywood is, you know, it, it's a copycat business, you know. Right. This thing becomes the new hot thing, so, you know, Joe, Max, and Johnny need to go do the exact same thing. And they're, you know... <laughs> They're walking on some uh, sticky ground here uh, doing something along these lines because, you know, there's a bunch of other movies people don't necessarily like. And does this open the door for alternative takes on in those movies or is this just a uh, like a standalone circumstance where it's like, OK, well, this was originally Zach's to begin with. So we're going to let him go back and do it. Or are we going to see a bunch of alternative timelines start popping up if this thing's a success in various other movies? I mean, we all laughed at the whole remake The Last Jedi thing. Like, even people that didn't like The Last Jedi are like, yeah, that's never going to happen. But, like, how far removed is this situation from that situation? A bunch of people didn't like a movie. They wanted the better version, quote-unquote, and now they're getting it. The only difference here is that the perception and seemingly the truth is that what we got wasn't with the artist's intentions it wasn't the artist's you know feelings so they're remaking it to be more in line with that but still you can still see it as fans demanding something and getting it yeah i think the only thing that would ever come close to that would be maybe like a release the lord and miller cut but we know that's never going to happen yeah and and you know there's also you know there's tons of cuts movies are cut up until they're released and you know there's there's you know different director changes going back way back like i think either wizard of oz or gone with the wind or maybe both those films went through like multiple directors like people don't think about that because they're so long ago but like it happens and no one's demanding for a so and so and so cut of wizard of oz but you know it still happened and it's still fascinating to kind of see thing and you know like solo a star wars story Obviously, there's a different version of that movie there. But does it even exist? Like, is it even there? Like, is it even coherent? I don't know. Revenge of the Sith had a four-hour cut before uh, finally getting trimmed down to what it was. I think Phantom Menace also had, like, four or six hours worth of footage. Like, crazy. Yeah, but half of that was the freaking pod race. (laughs) Could have been his own movie, and I would have been there for it. The pod race, yeah. That could have just been its own movie. So there's one other thing I want to touch on before we uh, we slide into our next topic for the evening. Um, this was posted in our group, the Peacekeeper Corps, and one of our longtime listeners, friends, patrons, Dan Grievous, posed the question, what if you all hate it more than the previous version? To which uh, Stephen Schinder replied, we'll either get a better Justice League movie or people asking for this will finally see that it wasn't as good as they've been thinking it might even be worse than what we got. And then he attached the meme. I see this as an absolute win. It's which, true, though. It is. But I'm curious which end you guys fall on. Do you feel like this could end up being a a better version because we're getting this new release? Or do you feel like we're in for a lot of hype and then a lot of disappointment? After rewatching two Zack Snyder films in the past week, them being Man of Steel 
and Batman v Superman. I feel like Justice League, the Justice League versus the Snyder Cut Justice League, it's just going to be more of the same. I don't think it's going to be much better, honestly. Just just me, just head cannoning it right now. I don't think it's going to be a vastly better film. I think it probably will be better. I think it'll be better things. And maybe Snyder's had all this time. He's had all this feedback. He can he can make it better based on that and, and kind of had more time to think about it. But I think ultimately we're not talking about a masterpiece of a film at the end of the day. I think it's just going to, it's going to make the Snyder fans happy because you have people that just love Snyder. They love how he works. They, they, they don't care about any flaws people thought think about them. They just love how he works. So, like, they're going to be happy, and they're going to stop complaining about the Snyder Cut. But uh, I don't know if normal, quote-unquote, normal people, normal moviegoers are really going to be satisfied by this. Uh, I, I think I fall on the opposite end of that spectrum just because I think uh, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman are so much better than Justice League. I think I was... Um, I seen Justice League and Thor Ragnarok on the same day with my son, which was a mistake because uh, <laughs> you see Thor Ragnarok and you follow that up with Justice League. It's, I mean, oh, film man. subjective. So, but I mean, <laughs> that was a steep hill to climb for Justice League. And honestly, uh, I, I don't think Batman vs Superman is remotely close to what Nolan did with his films. Uh, but boy, do I think it's a lot better than what we got with. Justice League. I, I think Justice League is one of the worst comic book movies I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't. I'm, man, I don't know if my take on Justice League is that hot, but I'm I'm kind of with you, based on my Batman v Superman rewatch that I did recently to prepare for this discussion. I was actually pretty impressed with a lot of things upon a second viewing. I feel like I shouldn't have waited three and a half, four years to watch this movie again. I, I really feel like this is one that you need to digest a couple of times and you really need to chew on what they're what they're doing and what they're attacking and how they're attacking it. I came to appreciate a few things out of this movie, but we're going to get to that in just a few seconds here. Before we dive too much deeper into a, a Batman v Superman discussion, uh, Sage, I, I teased it out off the top of the show, mentioning that you've got a new Star Wars program on the horizon. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, well, I'll try to keep it brief. In a nutshell, if uh, if either one of you two fine gentlemen would have said to me five or six months ago that I'd have any consideration of wanting to do a Star Wars podcast again, uh, or any podcast specifically, I probably would have laughed at the notion just because Head definitely wasn't in the right uh, mind space for it. And uh, and then Clone Wars comes out, and, uh, and then you get the making of the Clone Wars at Disney Galleries or whatever, and... I start reading some of my older Star Wars novels again, and all of a sudden I found myself falling in love with Star Wars again. And, uh, you know, despite me maybe not thinking the most of the last two films in uh, the most recent trilogy, I, I, I loved the feeling of falling in love with Star Wars again, and I didn't want it to stop. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking with Johnny and Thomas about it, and we all felt the same, and it just felt like the right time to try to do something. Uh out of respect to, to Mondo, who used to be part of the Star Wars Wastelands uh, broadcast, he does not feel the same about Star Wars anymore, and that's too bad because I've definitely been there. And that led to uh, Star Wars Renegades, uh, which is a uh, podcast that's going to launch Monday night, uh, May 25th, the uh, 43rd uh, anniversary of Star Wars. And uh, you can check it out every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and that's followed up by our other show, Phantom Empire, at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. 
we wanted to do something different. We didn't want it to just be like, it would have been easy to be like, okay, let's go do a Star Wars podcast. And it's just a retrend of Wastelands. And um, it, it just didn't make any sense to do it that way. So we wanted to bring something unique to the table. And like, we've been working at this for weeks. Uh, you both know me, uh, Zach, maybe a little more than Ben, but I'm not the most patient person in the world. So as we've been working away at this for several weeks now, I uh, I just had to like keep taking my foot off the gas because I just wanted to get to it. And I'm glad that it's sort of uh, evolved naturally and uh, I couldn't be more excited. So, you know, we had one thing in mind and that the Star Wars podcast needed to be a love letter to Star Wars, no hidden agendas. Um, just let's talk about Star Wars that we love. We'll still talk about the news too, but the news isn't the focal point of the podcast. Uh, the focal point of the podcast is a segment that we've created called the main event. Um, and then we have a couple other segments that I don't think you'll hear on other Star Wars podcasts. We wanted, look, there's 10 billion Star Wars podcasts. Ben is on one of the most popular ones on the planet. Um, so to be able to, you know, whether 20 people listen to us or 200 people listen to us, we wanted to do something different. And we came up with a rumor or not segment and uh, the death watch segment and the death watch segment, I think is going to be uh, the one that new listeners and or old listeners of ours really uh, clue in on and uh, enjoy. So uh, really excited to get started. Um, my patience is wearing out and uh, uh, we're here. We even went out and uh, spent a bunch of money on new equipment to uh, sound better and, I mean, I'd say look better if possible, but I think I lost that battle a long, long time ago. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I there, there are a lot of people that I can tell just from the engagement that you had with Phantom Empire and stuff that they enjoy getting to watch you guys as much as listen to you. And that's an element that we've tried to integrate onto IPC before, and it just hasn't worked as successfully as we'd hoped. Um, but I, I applaud the... Uh, effort that you guys put into it on such a regular and consistent basis. I know a lot of that starts with you and your passion for, for broadcasting and your passion for star Wars, as you were talking about. And I'm glad to hear that, that that passion has kind of been rekindled a little bit, man. Um, I, I was going to ask, you know, just a, just as a broad paintbrush type of stroke, like what kind of things people would, kind of come to expect from the show but i know you don't want to give too much away um what what is what is the one thing that you would say has you most excited about returning to star wars discussions is it the people is it the content is it the structure of the show is it the potential guests you're going to have on like what's something about renegades that you're like really excited for uh, I think it's a combination. I mean, this is a cop-out answer. A combination of everything that you just mentioned. Uh, we've definitely reached out to a few people about getting uh, getting them on the show. Um, I'm not going to lie here. I literally told you both before we did this that I had notes written out, and I have no idea what I did with them. So totally, uh, totally <laughs> just going off the top of my head with this. Uh, this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't uh, for help from a bunch of people, uh, first off. And, like, uh, Thomas has always even back when we were on 1138 uh been a driving force behind getting stuff prepared and keeping me honest and uh johnny and i have had our ups and downs but i mean we've been friends since you know we were five years old uh but we needed more help we needed you know if we were going to do this you know i have a newborn now and 
we, we needed some help on the social media side and just, you know, someone who could help out with that stuff. And, uh, uh, my buddy Ryan stepped up, but another guy that stepped out is actually a listener of this podcast and a great supporter of you guys. It's, uh, Joey Mays. He, uh, he was mm. so mm. fundamental on me being able to pick up the new equipment that I did and, uh, just really encouraging throughout the process. And, uh, uh, we've got to know each other a bit and, uh, it's, you know, uh, to me, a podcast isn't about one person. It's about a group of people just coming together and doing uh, what they love. And uh, for me, at the end of the day, uh, I said this needs to be a love letter to Star Wars. I can't stand when I see on like a Facebook group or a Twitter post, someone's like, oh, well, you don't like this, so you're not a real Star Wars fan. It's like, you know, F that. that, that who cares? I hate that logic of thinking, you know, I might not like The Last Jedi, but guess what? My 11-year-old son loves it, and, you know, I envy him for it. That's great we all love different parts of star Wars. And I thought the idea of bringing a show together where we can bring guests on and find out what they love about star Wars while still delivering other things, um, was, was important because I think, uh, that that's been lost the last little while. And if you've guys watched Dave Filoni, um, on this making of series, like if, if that doesn't get you more inspired about star Wars, I don't know whatever will it's, it's been very okay. true. Yeah. It's good. And, and uh, the other thing, uh, last but not least, is the Death Watch segment. I don't want to give away much. It's not really trivia. Uh, there's definitely a spin on it. It's obviously named after the uh, the Mandalorian group, the Death Watch. Uh, let's just say it will definitely test your Star Wars knowledge and might without it actually, actually being trivia. So uh, I think guests and listeners and whoever's on the show at that time will, uh, will have a lot of fun with that. And is it a video only over on your YouTube channels, or is there an audio link? How can people tune in on the 21st and the ensuing weeks after? Not 21st, 25th, I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, you can catch us live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, specifically on the Phantom Empire Facebook page and the uh, Star Wars Renegades Facebook page. Sure, it'll get shared around several different pages. Uh, but the one thing we wanted to do is return back to uh, podcasting. So that's a, the visual aspect. Uh, if you're not available on Monday nights and every single Tuesday, and I've been bad for this, not consistent in terms of distribution. Uh, and we we feel like we fixed that error. So every Tuesday, you'll be able to watch the, uh, the recording uh, of these shows, or you'll be able to download them uh, on your podcatchers, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, that whole list of podcasts you went off about earlier. So, oh, the, the whole list and then some. Uh, it, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that your your new show is called Star Wars Renegades because um, I I was a a big supporter of the XFL when it was around before the coronavirus hit and my local team was called the Dallas Renegades. And, okay. So uh, I haven't told you this yet, <laughs> uh, but Johnny Thomas and I have all talked about this. Uh, we're sitting around like pitching names and we were pitching names for at least a week. And like, we're talking every day all over messenger and we wanted a name that sort of represented us. Um, so like just, we just kept passing on everything. We couldn't agree. And then we came up with sword of the Jedi Mm-hmm. Uh, and Thomas didn't want that because it refers to a character in Star Wars Legends and um, felt like it would take just take away from the name and kind of upset McMahon and I a bit because we really wanted that. And uh, so <laughs> we got to a point where we're all on cam. We're just looking around our rooms. And I kid you not, uh, I, 
like your Facebook was up and it just hit me. I'm like, oh, Star Wars Renegades. And then I Googled the description of Renegades. I'm like, huh, kind of <laughs> sounds like us. All right, that fits. Oh, my That's gosh. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm touched. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. Um, I, I really loved my Renegades, and I really am, am bummed that their season was cut short. And I put a lot of work into the Renegades-themed podcast that we, we had about that football team. It was called the Renegades Roundup. And we had six different elements that we did in the course of one hour, which I found really impressive because I've never done anything in that short amount of time before. And uh, my buddy Joe and I, we used to we would get on like every week and try and talk about those renegades. And so to to know that that spirit's now kind of being carried over into the Star Wars universe, that's that's very comforting. That's very cool. So I uh, I appreciate that, dude. Thank you. I mean, I, I wish cool. I had a better story in terms of like, oh, yeah, it was this Star Wars character that inspired the podcast name. We just wanted a cool name. And then when we, you know, Googled the description uh, of Renegades, it sort of fit some of our uh, our uh, past events. So it fit. And, and hey, just briefly on your Renegades, they had a just friggin' awesome logo. So yeah, they did hear from them. I love their logo and their color scheme. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe y'all can get a little of that light blue in there for, for your stuff. Who knows? Um, one one other thing that I, I had meant to ask and then forgot. <laughs> um, Phantom Empire and Star Wars Renegades are not the only two pieces of uh, product that you guys are putting out there. Is that correct? Uh, so Phantom Empire is more or less the overall brand. Yeah, we do a show about it, but that's you know four guys sitting around just you know shooting off about anything and everything. But uh, we do YouTube updates and uh, Halloween talk sort of on and off, but uh, also do a show with you, Zach, which is, uh, as we plan, sort of sporadic, pops up now and then and uh, is on a hiatus at the moment just due to busy schedules and uh, sequels and shots. So uh, usually you can see me making just terrible faces to shots of whiskey which is not my forte oh uh, it's so, about- uh, so my thing yes i i we we are gonna figure out a, a day pretty soon to do that because now that school is out uh, my evenings are freeing up a little bit more so we will we will be bringing that thing back and i have stocked up on my liquor my friend i don't know if i sent you the picture <laughs> of all the stuff that i bought but I've got a lot of new shots that I'm ready to try out soon. So that uh, that is going to be a thing. Be on the lookout for sequels and shots to return. I believe our next discussion is uh, it's either one of the older Batman films or it's The Dark Knight. I forget which one we were doing first. I believe it goes The Dark Knight and then that atrocious mess Batman and Robin followed by The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, gosh. What have you gotten me into? I'm going to have to have more than one shot for Batman and Robin. I'm not sure there's enough alcohol in the world for that, man. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, well, this is a pretty decent place to go ahead and and do our ad break. And on the flip side, we're going to hear a voicemail from our very own Jake Damon. He's going to give us his thoughts on Batman v Superman. And Sage, do you have enough time to stick around for a little Batman and Superman discussion? Or is it getting too late for you? 
Oh, if you guys have me, I'd like to be here. Absolutely. All right, well, then we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to hear from Jake. <laughs> oh, man, I shouldn't be making puns this late at night. Uh, you're going to hear from our friends, and then you're going to hear from us, friends, in just a second. Don't go anywhere. This is IPC. What's up, cats and kittens? It's Jake. Sorry I couldn't be there this week, but I am there in spirit and in voice. Um, I got to say, I didn't mind Batman v Superman this time around. I'm going to try and keep this short. I've tried to record this like five or six times, and they've all been way too long, so we're going to keep this under a couple minutes. Uh, Not as bad as I remember it being, guys. I think it's better than Man of Steel. I think maybe half of Man of Steel was a great Superman movie. The other half was like, what are you doing, Zack Snyder? And I think about two-thirds or even three-quarters of Batman v Superman is actually a decent movie. I think if you changed some things around, uh, took some stuff out, this movie would actually be really good. Um, But I think it's decent. I think it's a decent movie that starts strong. Uh, You've got some interesting sequences. The whole courtroom scene was great. Um, the whole Batman fighting Superman stuff was great, I thought. Um, and then when you get towards the end, it's like everything just kind of goes downhill and is a jumbled mess of, of uh, you know, Zack Snyder-ness. Um, but I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to be surprising. I liked Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor this time around. I don't know what changed... I don't know. Maybe I just have a better understanding of who Lex Luthor is as a character. Like traditionally, he's just an eccentric, rich guy going after Superman. And that's who he is here. And I thought his performance was pretty good. I thought he was a highlight of the movie. And I think that um, I think that he went overboard a couple times. But besides that, didn't do too bad. I'd be interested in seeing more of him. I think, uh, which is crazy. It shows you how how over a couple of years your opinions and views can change. Um, so that's where I'm at with Batman v Superman. I give it a seven point mm, seven point eight out of ten for my planet score. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I recommend watching the Ultimate Edition. Like, I, I mean. I don't know what's different about it than the theatrical cut, but I watched the ultimate edition. It's, it's a definitely a bit too long. Um, and you know, like I said, there's elements I'd take out, there's elements I'd switch around, but aside from that, not bad, not bad. So those are my thoughts on Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice. that was jake 
Damon, our regular co-host who couldn't make it but called in anyways to say hello. You can find him on social media at Jake Damon or Jake W. Damon, depending on which social media platform that you're going to. And if you're trying to find the IPC podcast on social media, you can do so by going to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and searching for IPC Podcast. If you want to find previous episodes of the show, you can do so at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Our entire library is available there. And if you want to listen to even our previous discussion of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, you can do so by becoming a patron of the program. Just go to the patron link on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And even if you subscribe to the $1 level, I believe that's the librarian level, then you get access to our entire library of episodes. You just scroll all the way down to episode 108, and you'll get to hear our previous discussion of this show. However, since it was 176 episodes ago, I don't know if I would entirely advise that, but you're welcome to try and see what kind of scathing reviews we ended up giving this movie. But uh, a quick shout-out to our patrons of this show jake is one of them joey mays who you mentioned was influential in what's going on with renegades sage we've also got rachel perry dan grievous parker ott and carrie fleming who are all financial contributors to the program a big thank you to all of you who uh have caught the vision of ipc and want to invest in it even if it's just a couple of dollars a month every little bit helps thank you thank you thank you to everybody that does that and uh, we're looking forward to all the cool stuff that we're going to be doing here in our sixth year of the show. We celebrated our sixth anniversary a few weeks back, and uh, we're still going strong, Ben, as crazy as that sounds. I'm telling you, it's been amazing. And, uh, yeah, it keep, keeps us going, having you guys supporting us. And, uh, seriously, can't thank you enough. 176 episodes ago. Can you believe that the last time we talked about this movie, it was 176 episodes ago? <laughs> oh, it's funny. I'm, that I'm is looking funny. At our, I'm looking at our old show notes, episode 108, and we were doing Suicide Squad initial reactions. Um, some of the news segments that we... Um, that we ended up talking about was a fan petition to shut down Rotten Tomatoes after the Suicide Squad review came out. Oh, that that worked out well for them. Yeah, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes totally got shut down. Lena Luthor's being cast in the TV show Supergirl. Uh, the mm-hmm. Arrow producer confirming that the Flashpoint will have an impact on the show, maybe just a smidge. Just a little and, bit. Oh my gosh. The last one that we talked about was a Jimmy Smith's cameo confirmed in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know what? That's even more in- more funny now, the fact that we just got the news that Jimmy Smith's may show up in the Cassian show. Oh my gosh. So it's come wow. full circle. These these are some old show notes, my friend. These are some old, old show oh boy. notes. Uh, but it's still the same movie. And uh, what's interesting is, like, we're kind of split as far as who saw what, because uh, I think you and I ended up seeing the theatrical cut, and Jake mm-hmm. ended up seeing the extended cut. Sage, you've seen the extended cut before, just not recently. Is that correct? Yeah, it's probably been about a year. Well, lucky for us, we've got Wikipedia and IMDb and all that other stuff to help 
uh, keep us fresh on these things. I kind of wanted to watch the extended cut, to be honest, because now that I think back on it, when we reviewed this Ultimate Edition, like in 2016 or whatever it was, I don't think I actually saw the Ultimate Edition. Because I went through this movie and some of the scenes that I thought might be extended scenes ended up being in this movie. And I was like, wait a second, that's familiar. Wait a second, that's familiar. Oh. (laughs) And then I go on YouTube and I find a few of the uh, Ultimate Edition clips and I'm like, nope, I don't remember that. Uh, Nope, I don't remember that either. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, twice in a row now I've seen the original cut of this movie and I've got the three hour long version on Blu-ray. Interestingly enough, Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice was the very first Blu-ray disc I ever purchased. Really? And for those of you who know my movie collection, you know, I've got a lot of DVDs and Blu-ray and I've even got a couple of 4k movies in there now that I've got a 4k TV but I distinctly remember not finding a DVD copy of Batman v Superman at Target, and I knew that I was short on time, and I had to watch something. So I bought the Blu-ray version begrudgingly because there wasn't anything else available at Target, and and now it goes down in history as my very first Blu-ray purchase. Wow. That's history there. Uh, it's an embarrassing history, but history... <laughs> You know, sometimes sometimes history is like great victories, like the Battle of Trenton, and then other times it's not so great stuff, like when Santa Ana got captured at San Jacinto because his troops were taking a siesta. Like, did y'all know that, that that's how Texas won her independence, because the Mexicans were taking a nap? I, I am not caught up on my uh, Texan history, unfortunately. <laughs> It's one of the weirdest stories. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about the Alamo and the great sacrifice that was made at the Alamo. Remember the Alamo! But um, the Battle of San Jacinto was a a Texas win that helped her claim her independence because they attacked during Mexico's nap time. Wow. (laughs) That's impressive. There's some some great history, and then there's not-so-great history, and... Uh, for me, it's probably more along the lines of Santa Ana's siesta than it is the Battle of Trenton. But um, I digress just a little bit. Let's just go into some initial thoughts of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice now that it's been a little while since we last watched it. 176 episodes, apparently. Um, Ben, I'm going to let you lead off since Sage says it's been a little while. He can get caught up on the synopsis online. But from your most recent viewing, what were a couple of your takeaways from this movie? Well, okay. So like you said, I, 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 we watched, I believe we watched the ultimate edition way back when we watched, when we discussed this the first time. You may have, I don't think I did. I think I ended up accidentally seeing the theatrical cut. Here's the thing, though. I specifically like remember, like, okay, we're gonna watch the, we're gonna both watch this movie. We're gonna both watch the extended edition. And then now you're saying that you don't think you watch the extended edition. You watch the theatrical version. I watched the theatrical version today, and I didn't notice anything different from the extended edition. So now I'm second guessing myself, going, what version did I watch way back then? So. 
Mm. Now, I don't know if I've seen the extended uh, Ultimate Edition, Nick. But as far as it goes, after watching the theatrical version, um, it's fine. I, I Look, I, I think this movie catches a lot of flack, and some of it is rightfully so. There are some really dumb moments in this movie. Really dumb moments. But there's also a lot of good stuff in it. I've always said there was a good, really good Batman movie hidden in there somewhere. There's a lot of good Batman stuff. There's a lot of good Superman stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in general in this movie. I, I think it it is popular to hate on it, just like it is anything. And I think, yeah, it deserves at least some of that hate, but it's not the abomination that a lot of people make it out to be. And I think there is a lot of bright spots in this movie. And I think you can kind of look past the stuff that makes you cringe, and there is some several things. There's some weird stuff. There's some, you know, you, you look at the, the whole Jesse Eisenberg performance, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's parts of it that are weird. There's parts of it that I actually like a lot. And then you have just the plot, and it's, it's you know, it's a very, it, it opens strong. It's kind of meandering in the middle, and then it kind of ends strong. I think it kind of loses people in there in the middle, but at the same time, there is some, there's some really clever moments. There's some really brilliant moments. There's some also some really just, my God, what were they thinking moments. But I enjoyed this movie. I'm just, I'm just saying, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I didn't hate it. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. I, I do feel like there are some mixed bag moments in there. However, after seeing it a second time, I guess it's only my second time watching it. I would be okay watching it a third time. And I don't believe I felt that way the last time I reviewed this movie. I'm pretty sure I gave it like a 6 out of 10, even though we weren't doing planet scores back then. I'm pretty sure I gave it a pretty low rating. Right. However, after seeing just about everything else that DC has to offer, this really isn't the worst DC movie. It's and I know that that may be a low bar to be putting it on, but when you when you think about a lot of the complexities that they're trying to accomplish, some of them, like you said, go over rather well, and some others don't. But it doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie. It may have just been that some elements were poorly executed, and we'll get to that in a second. But Sage, if if you were to give like an opening statement, maybe ne- not necessarily like initial impressions because those aren't very recent, but if you were to give like some sort of a, a of a general opening statement towards Batman v Superman, what what would they be along the lines of? Uh, you know, it's a roller coaster ride of a movie. I I think you know when it's at its best, it's really really good. Like far better than I ever thought they would have been able to do with it. But there, when it's at its worst, it's there's some really bad writing and really bad reasoning that goes on uh, in this movie. I mean, the name Martha, that kind of tells a big story on its own, and a lot of people weren't very happy with it. There's a reason why it's become you know, glorified YouTube material for people to make fun of that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, I'm up and down with. Like, for me, I... I grew up watching Smallville, Michael Rosenbaum's my Lex Luthor. And yet at times during this movie, I thought Eisenberg was absolutely brilliant. And then at other times I'm like, okay, I thought he was brilliant. Now I'm not so sure. And 
it's a it's a bit of a roller coaster ride of a performance too. And I think Ben nailed hit the nail on the head there uh, when he said somewhere there's a good Batman movie in there. There is, but there's you know even to this day I still remember the first time I ever seen the movie, which would have been the normal theatrical cut uh, opening night, and you know Metropolis is falling apart and Bruce Wayne saves the girl and he's supposed to have like this real emotional moment with this dude in his office and all I could think to myself is who is he like I I don't get it who, who's this guy why am I supposed to be emotionally attached to this other than some guy that helps run your business and um, I know that's just a minor thing but it's sort of what pops up all over this movie there movies filled with great material but you know also misses uh, in other places so it really is a roller coaster ride of a movie uh, I however am one of the people that love the ending uh, I thought uh, it was great to not have a happy ending to a uh, superhero movie, and this would have been before Infinity War, so it was it was something different. Yeah, yeah that that idea that you know not all the heroes make it out alive kind of thing was was a precedent that they set in this film, uh, but the 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 dirt kind of coming off of the casket a little bit was a very very nice touch because you're like oh even in the darkness there's a glimmer of hope that maybe there's something out there we can hold on to and i appreciated that a lot i know that that's kind of a end of the movie spoiler we're kind of jumping all over the place but you know that that's kind of what happens in this movie is it's kind of jumping all over the place and it's like oh is this a wonder woman origins film oh is this a a batman 20 years later film is this a superman film that's supposed to extend beyond man of steel like there's a lot of moving parts in this film and i think that's one of the things that does it in especially in the extended cut the ultimate cut is you've got three hours of content that really probably belongs to two different movies if if we're being honest, the political dealing of the repercussions of what happens after Metropolis should be one story, and and then you know Batman trying to take him out should be another story, and then somewhere in there you've got Doomsday, which I'm like, oh okay, is this like is the Batman versus Superman the big boss fight or is Batman and Superman versus Doomsday supposed to be the big boss fight like there was a lot that was happening in the finale as well that again a lot of moving parts and I I think the difference between Batman v Superman and something like say the Joker for instance the Joker knows what it's about, and the moments of intensity are amplified because everything else feels kind of mundane, if you will, in the sense that it's building characters up to those big moments. It's a lot of character development, it's a lot of exposition, it's a lot of drama, and then, boom, big moments. But right. some of the drama that's involved in this movie, for example, the the big party that Bruce goes to that Clark is covering, like that's supposed to be one of the more well-written segments in the show. And yet there's not a whole lot of payoff from all of that until much, much later in the film. 
to the point that you almost forget that that dialogue even happened by the time the fight scene comes around. And so I, I just, I feel like some of the payoffs weren't paying off the way they were supposed to, maybe due to the length of the film, maybe due to the overall pacing, maybe due to the jumping around of storylines. I feel like there were a lot of different things that ended up affecting this movie in a way that it wasn't intended to, but ended up doing anyways. I feel like I feel like this movie is heavy in the middle. Just like, okay, just, I'm just going to ignore like a lot of the weird moments, the Martha, all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to look at this movie as a movie, as a script, as a story, just baseline. Like, I think it's heavy in the middle because I think, especially after just watching Man of Steel again and then going right into this movie, it plays really, really well. Like, because you're getting what happens in Man of Steel and you immediately jump into Bruce Wayne's perspective. That was one and, of my favorite parts of this movie, honestly. Was, it's great. Like, it is. It was almost like an epilogue from Man of Steel, but also a prologue to this movie. Like, it tied those two together really, really well. Yeah, and it, it, it does well to introduce the Batman character, introduce that he's been there all this time, and introduce the idea of what Man of Steel does and kind of almost takes a flaw from Man of Steel and runs with it in regards yes. to, like, yes. okay, like, man, you know, like we had this big heroic moment for Superman, and he saved the day, but how many people died in yes. Metropolis to happen. It yeah. takes that and goes like, okay, yeah. who is this guy actually? Is he really a hero? Is he? And it plays into, just sets up Batman's whole paranoia of what he's trying to deal with here and how he is interpreting Superman coming into the picture. And then you go further into the movie, and yeah, towards the middle, it starts getting kind of diluted. You bring in the senators, you bring in this other guy that got his legs chopped off, and it's a lot to deal with. I think it comes back around and actually pulls together pretty neatly towards the end where you have the actual fight happen, and that all plays into, again, Batman's paranoia, his you know reasoning for doing all this whatever. It's all supposed to kind of fold into it, but all the Lex Luthor stuff, even though I I will say this, I like Jason Jesse Eisenberg's performance in this movie. I really do, other than a few you know moments. Um, I think it all plays in well together. I think it's just... It's it's a long movie, and it kind of has a different problem from what <laughs> Superman Returns has, which is Superman Returns is long and boring. This one is long and just plot-heavy. There's a lot of plot, and it's a lot there's to a, take in. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot to deal with. And like I said, it, the amount of plot and the amount of exposition, the amount of fighting that you get in this film is enough for two films, really. And and I think that's part of its problem. I Let think I think I think real quick. I just want to say this. I think DC, being that this is coming as as we were talking about with Man of Steel, Man of Steel was coming in right well, in the height of the 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 MCU boom, and I think Batman v Superman was an answer to that. It it was an answer to say we're not going to go and do these solo movies and introduce these characters. We're going to go straight into it. We're going to introduce these characters. We're going to throw in Batman and Wonder Woman. We're going to basically make it a Man of Steel sequel, but it's with these other characters, and we're just going to keep the story moving. We don't need solo movies. I think that was their answer to this. But I think 
I think that was probably the wrong choice. I think this movie could have really benefited from having a Wonder Woman movie and a Batman movie before it. That way you're not – because the MCU movies, they all function. They just jump straight into it. They assume you've seen the movies before. They're not interested in it explaining what all these characters have been doing prior. You know what Iron Man's been up to. You know what Thor's been up to. You're just going into it. This so, movie has to set up Batman. It has to set up Wonder Woman. It has to set up these characters also, while also trying to be a sequel to Man of Steel. And I think it just got too much on its plate. No, let, let me ask you something. Sage, have you seen Batman v Superman since you've seen Wonder Woman? Yeah. Yeah, I have. What, what was your perspective on the movie now that you have a little bit more context on Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman? Did that alter your viewing experience any? Um, well, I mean, you know, to track back to Ben's statement about them, uh, you know, maybe not wanting to or not needing to do standalones before they're, they're working backwards and, and that doesn't always help necessarily. Like, yeah, I mean, I felt a little more connected to the Wonder Woman character, uh, in her own movie after seeing Batman or Superman. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, if they would have done it the opposite way, I would have felt more connected to her in that movie, meaning Batman vs Superman, than I did. Um, you know, it, it. I guess it enhances the experience a little bit for Wonder Woman, but at the end of the day, I don't agree with uh, them, you know, putting Batman vs Superman first. Uh, to me, it wasn't a matter of um, not needing to do it. It was a matter of not wanting to do it. They wanted to get to where the MCU was without taking the time to get there. And it, yeah. They shot themselves in the foot while doing so. No, um, I don't. No, thank you for insulting my favorite Superman movie by calling it long and boring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, look, look. Are you talking about Superman Returns, right? Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, okay. Here's the deal, man. You didn't hear our discussion. I say, and I continue to stand by the statement that Superman <laughs> Returns is the best Superman movie. <laughs> so I'm on your side, man. I'm on your side. <laughs> it doesn't say it, very it, much for the rest of them, does it? it? No, it doesn't. That's the thing. Like, oh my gosh! I mean, three, I didn't. I didn't say that all the rest of them suck and it wins by default. But whatever. Three and <laughs> three and four should not exist. But that's a conversation that we've had previously. Um, my, I think my point being is that I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Sage. That the, it, it, it ended up hurting them in the long run to have Batman v Superman first and then Wonder Woman come after it. But the interesting thing for me upon this most recent viewing was now that I have seen Jason Momoa as Aquaman, now that I've seen uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in their own films, seeing Jason's cameo appearance in the, the video footage even seeing Ezra Miller's cameo as the Flash in the photography and Bruce Wayne's dream, like I can tell that Snyder had something in mind for where he was going with this, and it just didn't come to fruition in Justice League. And that's part of what gets me intrigued about um, about this Snyder Cut idea is – are we going to get something about this flash dream that Bruce Wayne had where basically it's the, it's the flash doing some sort of time travel type of thing. And he's appearing to Bruce and he's like, am I too soon? Oh crap. I'm too soon. And like is kind of 
helping him with this story, but also at the same time potentially doing something in the Justice League film or something further down the road. I'm not sure, but... I, I think it was supposed to be in the Flash movie, which we will never see. Which because never... it's changed which it's changed directors and release dates like twenty times by now. Yeah, yeah. We're we're probably never seeing a Flash movie. But we saw a Flash cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earth, so that should be good enough for you, right? No. I kind uh, of feel like that universe is outside of Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman kind of dead. I, I don't see it going anywhere other than with those two characters. Well, I mean, now that the Batman character's been uh, recast with Robert Pattinson. Story. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I just don't know what's going to happen with the DCEU. If I would be, I, honestly, I would be fine with the Justice League movie that's led by Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Flash with other move things. I would be totally fine with that. I mean, that, that would be interesting to see because, I mean, Superman... I think those characters are really strong. That's why I say that. I, I agree with you, but I also feel like in the, the, the creation of anything Justice League related, it's always been Batman and Superman that have been like the top two leaders, and then they delegate what the rest of the league is supposed to do and where they're supposed to go. If you don't have those two guys, then like their core leadership or whatever how how do you do that like you just you just open justice league 2 and it's you know it's wonder woman and aquaman and they're like and flash walks in and he goes where's soups where's 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 batman oh they're on vacation okay they don't talk about it again for the rest of the movie (laughs) wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened but to to make a long story short um I really, really got off the beaten trail with that speculation and and commentary there. But I feel like I may have enjoyed Wonder Woman's appearance in this sequence now that I've seen what she does in her own movie, which happened, you know, a century ago. And to know that she's been hiding and waiting and doing nothing for almost a hundred years. And then she comes out of retirement to face doomsday. I cheered a little bit like internally. I was cheering like, Oh my God, she's back. Like I know that it happened out of sequence, but if you end up going back and watching wonder woman before you watch Batman V Superman, I feel like her reemergence is just a little bit more exciting now. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just got a crush on Gal Gadot. I don't know. No, all the woman, Wonder Woman stuff in this movie is great. Like, I, I, I like, I legitimately, her showing up in the end battle, that theme showing up, which is like top 10 superhero themes, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, you know, them looking at each other. Is she with you? I thought she was with you. Like, that's a legitimately fantastic moment. I it love is. it. Well, it is now. Back when it first released, it probably wasn't. But <laughs> looking at it now and seeing everything that she was able to accomplish on her own, like it, it, it kind of adds a little depth to that line with that whole issue with you. I thought she was with you. She doesn't need to be with anyone. She doesn't. She doesn't have to be with Superman. She doesn't have to be with. Batman. She could just be another hero of Earth that saw a crisis and answered the call. Yeah. And and now yeah. we've seen her standalone movie. We know that that's something she's completely capable of. 
She doesn't need to be with another hero. She doesn't need to be with another guy. She just needs to be someone who is ready to defend the Earth when when the crisis arises. And that's basically what happened. She saw the the, the stuff that was happening at the harbor, and she chose to intervene. Like that, that I think that's the difference. Is now that we have have seen her in that film and in that position. And now that we know that she chose that, that she made that conscious choice to come out of retirement for just this moment, I think it just made that moment a little bit more impactful to me for whatever reason. Yeah. Real quick, the only thing – the only things that I really made note of that I thought was hilarious in probably not the best way is how many times they start talking about that all the areas where they're fighting at the end battle – are quote uninhabited or empty <laughs> or abandoned <laughs> they like you have they literally got Anderson Cooper to come in and record lines so he can go oh yeah there there's a fight breaking out downtown but thankfully downtown is empty it's it's out of it's not rush hour i'm like dude have you ever been downtown of a city at any time of the night cities are never empty <laughs> yeah yeah they they got emptied for the sake of of contrasting from Man of Steel, which was completely full and tens of thousands of people died. Like, the only reason Batman's willing to fight him in that place in the first place is because there's nobody around. Yeah, and then Batman's like, no, I gotta lead him back to the city. Like, no, you don't. No, Why? Why? You don't. No, you don't. Like, Why you do that, Batman? Like, no, you have help. And I think that's one thing that Batman still never learns, even with all of these teammates that are in this film. He never learns that he's got help and that somebody else can go fetch the freaking kryptonite spear, for crying out loud. But um, let, let's talk about that fight, because, I mean, it is Batman versus Superman. Like, that's the, that's the name. That's the name of the movie. name of the movie. And I was pleasantly surprised to find Batman holding his own and even getting the upper hand on the Man of Steel. Like, after everything that we saw in the Man of Steel movie, we then see a dude with, uh, like, fancy armor and technology and kryptonite smoke bombs. All of a sudden, he's got the drop on someone who's basically a god. Or supposed to be, like that. I mean, that's that's the whole thing with Bruce Wayne, Batman. Like he, Bruce, uh, like Batman, is doesn't have any powers, but he's also the world's greatest detective, and he can pretty much defeat anyone as long as he has time to prepare. Like if you give him like plenty of time, he'll kill anyone. He can kill Superman. Like he could have su killed Superman, but he didn't. Well, okay, but here's the other thing that was also interesting, and this kind of ties into maybe your thoughts on on uh, Jesse Eisenberg. But, Sage, I'm going to get your thoughts on this, too. This idea of Batman getting the physical drop on him during that fight, but that fight being preluded by Lex Luthor having the emotional drop on him by kidnapping his mom was... Was that, like, from a storytelling perspective, did you feel like that was the right way to go? Should he stuck with Lois? Like, what did what did you make of, of adding Martha Kent into the dynamic? 
should she have been? Should she have not have been? Would they have been able to avoid that internet trope if they hadn't gone that route? Like, what do you what do you make of his mom being like the the scapegoat for everything at the end of the film? Martha. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's everything when it comes to, you know, Clark's beliefs in the world. You know, she's first. She comes before basically anyone. And I, I'm i okay with, you know, the fact that that card was played. In fact, that whole moment where Lex reveals to, uh, to Clark that he has Martha, you know, that, that's arguably my favorite part in the entire movie. Uh, I think it's filmed so well. Could they have avoided that terrible, you know, gift that's everywhere, uh, Martha? Yeah, they probably could have. But, you know, for Batman to beat Superman, and make no mistake, Batman beat Superman in this movie, in my opinion. Uh, all the cards needed to line up, and that was one of them. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think Superman would have fought Batman for any other reason Besides his mom being held hostage, though. Yeah, I think he would have. I think he would have at least, you know, self-defended himself, you know. I, um, I think Clark is a little headstrong and a bit. He's letting his emotions get the best of him in certain cases. So I think he might. He Batman may have eventually goaded him into it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like Batman would have convinced him to, to, to fight him regardless, like one way or another. Because, I mean, he was basically trying to bait him in by lighting up the bat signal. Because previously in the film, he had told him the next time that signal goes up, don't answer it. And so... And he basically, like, threatens him. Like, call this mercy. Like, if, if <laughs> like I won't kill you, but if you, you send that bat signal up again, I'm going to freaking murder you. I'm going to do something really bad to you. Which only goes into, like, Batman's god complex that he feels like Superman has, like it only confirms that theory. Right. By, by saying, I will smite you peasant. Like, <laughs> like that's basically what happens. And so it's, it's just, it's interesting to think about how, how he, he was, he was, he was basically saying, I will, I will smite you. I don't know. I just like the word smite. I want to keep using the word smite as often as I can. It just rem- it just reminds me of Bruce Almighty. Smite me, almighty smiter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where I'm getting it from because of the gold yeah. god complex thing. But <laughs> uh, here here's the thing that is really, really tough. I think Clark holds himself to a much higher standard than he's supposed to because the explosion yeah. at the Capitol – he basically blames himself, even though he was he was just being like it, it was just a trap that was being laid for him. A a very well written trap, by the way. Did you notice the glass of water and the label that it had on it for that senator that was holding the hearing? It was perfect. Oh, oh god! It was it was literally a glass of pee. It was literally like, a jar of piss. That that's like, I don't know if she was drinking it or what, but, like, the fact that he takes it from one of her – I'm just going to call her Elastigirl because that's who she is. That's who um, it is. It's Holly Hunter. It's Elastigirl. Yeah. So, it, so, like, so Elastigirl says this joke to him, and then he takes it literally. Oh, it makes me cringe every time. Oh, God. But, but that that is part of the genius of Lex Luthor's character. 
The problem is he's also like a child that's found his dad's gun. Like it's a it's a very loose cannon type of genius. Not not the chaotic yeah. type of genius that we get with Heath Ledger's Joker, but it's still a type of genius nonetheless. But it's just it can be kind of all over the place sometimes. And that's one of the things that hurts me is you can have moments like that where he sets up a grand explosion and tries to frame Superman for it. Or there are times when, you know, he's got he's got private security working in in Africa to try and set stuff up there. He can he can have moments where he's got Martha Kent being held hostage like He's got some of those moments of brilliance, and then he's got other moments where he's feeding Jolly Ranchers to a senator outside of a basketball court. Like, what the oh, hell? Oh, that is so bad. That is so bad. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, there, there's really, really bad moments like that. And then and the, the the end scene where he's at the bars and he's just, like, sniveling, just kind of, like, saying stuff to himself as Batman walks away. Like, it's so bad. But then— okay. There's go ahead. There, there, there is there is an extended scene that makes a world of difference for for that stuff that I really don't understand why it got cut and it's only in the ultimate edition. Really? Yes, this is probably one of the most important cut scenes that ends up in the ultimate edition that's not in the theatrical cut. And I found it on YouTube and I'm so confused as to why it doesn't get included. It explains so much, not just for that sequence at the end, but for his character and for Justice League even. Like, I don't I don't understand all this. But you know how um, the, the Kryptonian technology will sometimes take clay forms and you can, like, have communiques with people through those things, like when... Um, when Kal-El's dad is talking to his uh, to his mom in mm-hmm. the beginning of Man of Steel, it, it kind of like takes a pixelated clay form of her head as he's like talking to her from the other side of the planet. Right, right, I remember that. Okay, so the Genesis Chamber has that capability as well. It has the ability to communicate using that same pixelated clay technology. And in the Ultimate Edition there is a scene right before Luther gets his head shaved. You know how they do that cut scene where it goes to him in the orange jumpsuit and he's getting his Mm -hmm. head shaved and that sort of thing? In the Ultimate Edition, there is like a 30-second segment that comes right before it that I feel like needs to be included in the film because it shows a SWAT team, a sniper team, making their way into the Genesis Chamber and they point um, laser pointers at a Lex Luthor that is at least chest deep in the water of the Genesis chamber. He basically hasn't left and he's found a way to activate the communication controls. And in the pixelated claymation part of the transceiver, you see the outline of Steppenwolf dissipate as SWAT enters the room. Oh, that's interesting. So, when he talks about how he has heard the call, you can't unring that bell. Lex Luthor was the one who summoned Steppenwolf to Earth, causing the Justice League crisis. Wow, why did they cut that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
why did that end up in the Ultimate Edition when it brings so many other things together and it really doesn't take that long to include it? Like, that part kind of blew my mind. I was sitting there going, okay, this scene, I can see why I got cut. This scene, eh, it doesn't really have to be in there. But to me, that is like one of the more crucial elements that only shows up in the Ultimate Cut because now you know who's responsible for bringing Steppenwolf. Like, I think that may have been one of the questions that I had from Justice League is like, who is Steppenwolf? Why is he here? How did he show up? What is the meaning of this? Now I know he had contact made to him by Lex Luthor from the Genesis chamber. He honed in on that signal and came to earth looking for the one who contacted him. Wow. That's great. That's I I need to go watch that again because I think I remember you remember that, but you know it's it's been a long time. It, but it's been a while. But see that yeah. that is one of the reasons why I would be okay watching this movie for a third time because now I kind of want to watch the three hour long R rated edition to see the more complete project that Snyder had in mind that didn't make it to the theaters. Very true. Very true. Uh, so maybe Revisited Round 2 is right around the corner. Who oh, knows? Gosh. Who knows? No. Well, we're going to 76 episodes from now. Uh, apparently. But I feel like we're going to end up having to do a Justice League Revisited, and then next year when the Snyder Cut releases, we're going to have to do a review of the Snyder Cut. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm I'm game. I'm totally game. Um, Real quick before we start wrapping this up i just want to go back to jesse eisenberg really quick yes and if you guys want to comment on this feel free to after this but like i i came away from this movie with a genuine appreciation for what jesse eisenberg and Zack snyder were trying to do here with this character i think for the most part it's a good performance i think i after watching all the original superman movies i totally see gene hackman in Jesse Eisenberg. I totally see it. It's an more amped up. It's a more crazy. It's, as Lois puts it, psychotic. But it's still in that realm of taking... Because Gene Hackman, like, he's more withdrawn, but he's still psychotic. He's still, like, he wants to... <laughs> he wants to uh, kill wants millions to of people. Up. He wants to blow up the San Andreas Fault. He wants to create a new continent. Like exactly, he 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 wants to. He's willing to kill millions of people just to make a buck. Like that's Lex Luthor. Someone like that isn't right in the head. And I like that they take that to the next level with this one. That you know it is more like uh, more Kevin Spacey. He's a bit more unhinged, but he's also more just just quirky and out of this world. But he, like I, there's some moments that are really good. I think. The scene on the rooftop that Sean pointed out, I think, is really great. Um, but other scenes, like, yeah, you know, and just when he's wandering around and doing his thing, I think he's good. I think the whole shoving a Jolly Rancher in a senator's mouth it is really weird and stupid. I don't know why they put that in. Why did they leave that in? But right, uh, why would why would they include that and then cut his contact with Steppenwolf? Like, I I don't know. Whatever. There's just certain things that, like, in this movie that. You're just wondering, why did they do that? You didn't need to do that. You could have left that well enough alone. Yeah, I I don't know. I need a second to come up with my thoughts on Eisenberg. Sage, do you have thoughts on his performance as Luther? I mean, he's not my favorite Lex Luthor, uh, but I do see a lot of 
Kevin Spacey's performance in in there. Um, That's true. Yeah, it, it's definitely tellable. I mean, Lex Luthor is a it, it, he's been written so many different ways. Um, but you know, part of Lex Luthor's character, whether you're talking comics and or you know even Smallville, is he has this sort of weirdness about him. Uh, this um, almost cringeworthy aspect to him. He's not just this evil mastermind. And I think maybe that was a little too front and center uh, in this movie, especially with the Jolly Rancher stuff, but it's not out of character either. Uh, overall though, uh, I liked his performance. Uh, still not my first choice considering for months and months and months leading into the production of the movie, we kept hearing Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston. And uh, clearly that never happened. Um, but uh, all in all, it's definitely a passable performance. It's a roller coaster ride. There, as it when you know it's at its height, it's great, and when it's at its low, eh. fair enough. I think the thing that I always took away from Lex Luthor, either from the cartoon Justice League show, or from the um, from the stuff that I saw with the Gene Hackman movies, is that Luther had a little bit of a of a sense of flair or charisma to his dirty work and I just didn't sense as much charisma from Eisenberg. He wasn't a likable character. As psychotic as Hackman's character was, you still kind of liked his flair for the dramatic and you you kind of liked the way that he carried himself and the way that he spoke to others. He just he had a lot of confidence to him. But the the garbled and convoluted nature that Luther approaches pretty much everybody he comes in contact with, it it feels almost like he's not even sure of himself. And I don't know, that made me feel a little uncomfortable, I guess. And maybe that was the point. Maybe I was supposed to feel uncomfortable by his character and by his nature. But there was just something about him that always felt a little off. I did love the scene on the tower. In fact, that's going to be our, our quote of the night, I believe, is just hearing some of his stuff from the top of the tower as his grand plan unfolds. But... um there there were just some other scenes that I was like, okay, wait, what? Um, his his speech at the benefit, he rambles incoherently. Yeah. Imagine if Gene Hackman were up there giving a speech. He would have had it perfectly memorized. He would have been able to engage with people in the audience, great eye contact, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like Eisenberg did none of that. And I, I don't know. I just – Maybe it's the communication major in me being upset that he doesn't really seem to have a clear communication style. It's kind of all over the board, dependent on the situation, dependent on the person, and it seems consistent with someone with schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. Like, he yeah, it... he doesn't know who he is, and so you get a different part of him in just about every scene, every conversation. You, I think it. I think they maybe went a little bit too far with like, this guy is crazy, and let's just make him seem crazy. And I get 
wanting to do that, but I don't think it lends itself to like subtlety. I think you there. I think I, I appreciate it when a a character is doing crazy things, but they're they're maybe seeming logical about it. You you get the impression from this Lex Luthor, like how did this guy get to where he is? Like how did he able to function? He's so wacky and so stupidly crazy. Like you, like Gene Hackman, you get that he's crazy, but at least he's competent. Like you can totally see him being able to do what he does, um, even when he's got you know stupid henchmen working for him. Um, where, whereas this this guy is just so crazy. Like I I like it. I think there's a lot of good in his performance, but I think it is. It's a bit much, especially at several times. But uh, you know, I think with maybe some different direction and maybe just dial down a couple of notches. Like he's he's at eleven with the crazy. Just dial it down to maybe a, you know a ten or a nine, maybe. Could be, it could be. Uh, let, let's take a look at some of the numbers before we give our final reviews. This is one thing that we tend to do uh, as we're closing out the show. Um, Box office mojo numbers. The budget was originally $250 million, and it ended up getting a uh, worldwide total of $873.6 million. Mm. So it, uh, it, did, it did pretty well for the, for the most part, but you also have to factor in um, – you got, you got to factor in the marketing – and you've also got to factor in what the uh, competition was, because this movie came out in March of 2016, which means it was coming out around the time of Captain America: Civil War. I remember that. Yeah. Let me. Yeah, the two the two big versus superhero movies coming out about the same time. Mm-hmm. One against the other. And uh, according to Box Office Mojo, the numbers for Captain America Civil War, it got a worldwide $1.1 billion. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, $873 million isn't that bad. But to be all about about three hundred fifty million behind Civil War, I mean, you're, you're kind of you're kind of seeing the effects of Marvel's cinematic universe getting some big payoffs, and DC basically trying to play catch up in this film. Right, Sean. Which one did you like out of those? Oh, is that <laughs> what do you like better? Is that even a question? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Civil War, but Civil War is not my, you know, big uh, go-to when it comes to the MCU. Um, in fact, I'll be the guy that admits I've seen Civil War for the first time in a drive-in and fell asleep during it. So, uh, wow. not, not uh, probably not a great uh, example or impression. Uh, Civil War is a better movie, no doubt, though. Uh, but the thing that catches me, the Batman vs Superman. I mean, fans that are really desperate to defend it will say, "You all, yeah, it still made eight hundred million dollars." I mean, you got to take that two hundred fifty million dollar budget and add an additional hundred fifty million dollars on for marketing. You know, it's a four hundred million dollar in film, so yeah, it makes back its money and then twice uh, and then uh, doubles it. Pardon me, 
but leading into this film over the previous two years, it wasn't would this film make a billion. It was what's going to do better, Star Wars The Force Awakens when it relaunches uh, the Star Wars franchise or the long-rumored Batman vs. Superman film. It's not like it just, you know, the rumors of this film just came out with Zack Snyder. You got to go back to around the time of the prequel trilogy when uh, just before uh, Nolan did his Batman, a Batman vs. Superman film was rumored for the first time. Um, and, you know, several years later it came out. You're getting these two, you know, big main event on-screen characters together. And, like, it wasn't even remotely close to The Force Awakens. And, like, would could anybody have predicted it wouldn't have even cleared a billion dollars? I wouldn't have. I, I thought it was easily going to do that. And, uh, you know, it, it's got to be looked at, in my opinion, regardless of them making money, as a disappointment. Yeah, I think that's ultimately, if I can sum up this movie in any way, shape, or form, which you really can't fairly, but I think ultimately this movie should have been huge. It should have been as big or bigger than Civil War. Like, it should have made a billion easy. Maybe even could have been the film that made two billion. Like, it should have been massive. It should have been beloved being just the fact that you've had just the significance of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman being on the screen at in the same movie at the same time for the first time ever. This was huge. And it just being that it just turned out to be such a meh movie that wasn't that was not terrible but not nearly as great as it could have been, I think that's the ultimate disappointment that this movie could have been something really special and it wasn't nearly as good and nearly as 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 big as it could have been so much potential and so little of it realized uh i'm only going to give you guys one or two little snippets of trivia before we go to our final thoughts because we're running short on time but i do think this one is worth noting uh there's one scene where clark says to his editor perry when the Daily Planet was founded, it used to stand for something, to which he uh, Perry responds, yeah, and if it were 1938, you could too. Action Comics number one, the first comic to feature Superman, was published in 1938. I knew it. I knew that was the case. And uh, this is this is Perry White's moment to shine. I mean, the, the greatest DC moon ever. Water, wet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a great line. His, his his sarcasm was awesome, but also the Perry, way... Florence Fishburne can play an a-hole so well. But, but also the way that he told Lois to fly coach. Like, he stood his ground on that. He was like, coach, no extra leg room. <laughs> but, then when the chip, but, but, but then when the chips were down and she asked him for a chopper and it wasn't for work-related stuff, he was like, oh, this is, this is serious. And he actually... And he, he, he gets her the chopper. Yeah, and he, he's like, put it on the damn roof. I'm like, oh, that's a Superman, original Superman reference. Mm. Lois getting in a helicopter on the roof. Yep, 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 yep. There was... That one didn't crash this time. Uh, one other piece of trivia that you guys might find interesting, considering our uh, discussion back and forth about Eisenberg, after seeing his performance in Cloud Atlas, Warner Ooh. Brothers actually wanted Lex Luthor to be played by Tom Hanks. Oh my god! You're kidding me. I'm not. At least according to IMDb's trivia page. That, I can't even picture that. 
I cannot imagine Tom Hanks as Lex Luthor, or even this version of Lex Luthor, especially. Like, oh my god. Tom Hanks would make a incredible comic book villain at some point. His range range is just so far and beyond what people give him credit for, too. Um, I would love to see Tom Hanks as a villain in a, in a Star Wars. Hell, he has a is a history of Star Wars. Maybe we'll get him in Star Wars, but uh, and you know, before you know, he gets too old. It'd be nice to see him as a villain. He could pull it off. I, I maybe I'm typecasting him as you know tall, skinny guy, but like maybe the Riddler. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. You cut his hair off. I think he could be a Lex Luthor. He could be a, a conniving, charismatic businessman with a side of psychotic. I can see it. Yeah, I. I, I'm I'm game. I'm game. Just get Tom Hanks in a comic book movie or a Star Wars movie. That's all I want. I mean, we weren't sure what to make of Michael Keaton being a villain, but he turned out to be a great vulture. So you you can't you cannot sell these guys. Look at look at freaking uh, Batfleck, man. Ben Affleck, like the guy got a, a raw deal in this movie and the next movie, and he got a lot of flack for it. I think he's great as Batman. He is great in this movie. I think he's I think he's a good Batman. I, I wasn't as crazy about getting so much of his origin story again because we've gotten Batman's origins so much. It, it, it didn't need it. It didn't need it. Like, okay, we get it. Your parents are dead. Like, what else do we need to know about it? Like 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 Spider Man Homecoming, I think, did the whole let's not do the the, the the origin story again the best like they're just like okay we're just glossing over this everybody knows it everyone's seen it. i think batman's i mean batman is probably the most famous superhero origin story ever probably like maybe next to superman probably but i digress nobody asked me my opinion on these things maybe one thing. mine neither you know Zack snyder you have my number i'm assuming you know you know where i am you never called i'm sorry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the way it always goes isn't it oh uh, well uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping up our our thoughts and our final scores. Do we do we want to do planet scores since we didn't do them on the last episode? At least not that I can see on our previous show notes. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, we might as well. We'll we'll do we'll do numbers out of ten just for the heck of it. I don't even. <laughs> embarrassingly enough, I didn't listen to Jake's recording, so I don't know if Jake gave us a planet score or not. <laughs> But uh, we'll we'll figure it out and, and see if he did. But let's do let's do final thoughts and and scores out of ten for this film. Ben, you want to kick us off? Okay. Well, final thoughts. Like I said, this movie I think gets a bad rap. I think it's got a lot going for it. I think there's some really amazing stuff. Like there's some a lot of great action. The the scene in the warehouse. I'm watching it right now, um, where Batman shows up and comes to the floor like. It's great, like probably some of the best Batman action we've ever seen. Mm. And there's other moments of pure brilliance and and clever stuff in this movie that I think it really deserves uh, a fair shake on. And there's other moments that are just, ugh. <laughs> what are you thinking? Just ugh. <laughs> <laughs> just ugh. Um, uh, but uh, overall, I enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed going back to it and uh, revisiting it and, you know, especially after Man of Steel and all that kind of stuff and getting kind of the full picture and especially – and also getting it in, in the context of the older films and especially in Superman's case. Um, so without any further ado, I think, I think I'm going to give this one a 
Solid seven out of ten. All right. All right, all right. Uh, Mr. Giroux, it comes to you. Uh, I've been saying all night that I think this movie is a, a wild roller coaster ride. Sometimes good, sometimes great, sometimes uh, very bad, uh, which is unfortunate because somewhere in here they got a little carried away with the uh, the story in the movie, and it's like they it's almost like there's two movies in here, and each one of them are trying to fight out, and uh, they just did what they could to make one movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know maybe the Batman origin movie that should have happened first. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I really like the extended cut. It um, I don't think we ever really got into what's different about it. I know Ben said he wasn't sure he knew the differences, but in the extended cut, they really have a focus on what goes down in Africa and uh, Jimmy Olsen's part in it, which I don't believe is in the theatrical cut. Um, and I really like that part. And um, the movie itself, you know. The guy, the guy who loses his legs also drops the F word. Oh, okay. That's part of what makes it rated R, is there's two F-bombs in the extended cut, at least two. I I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think this movie was fighting an uphill battle. It's only, I think, four years removed from the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, And it's not that, but, I mean, I'd watch it again uh, all the time. No, but i definitely watch it again, and uh, I think I'm right there with Ben. I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Well... I'm I've been I've been back and forth all evening about just where I'm where I would put this film because um, having seen Aquaman having seen Justice League having seen Wonder Woman now um, having recently seen Man of Steel like I'm looking at all of this going I'm pretty sure I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Man of Steel did not enjoy this movie as much as I enjoyed Wonder Woman or Aquaman and that's really the only bar that I'm trying to put it on is is looking at the stuff within the DCEU. I can't really try and look at it too much from just a overall cinematic perspective because it's such a mixed bag. It, it's got some, some drama. It's got some great action. It's got some pretty interesting music choices at times. I particularly enjoyed when Wonder Woman shows up, like you said, Ben, with the theme in there. Um, that one did get me excited. But... I have a hard time forgiving the mixed performance by Eisenberg. I have a hard time coming to terms with the idea that there's basically two movies wrapped up into one three-hour-long process in here. Um, And Lois Lane basically devolves as a character over the course of the movie, which is really disappointing. She goes from being somebody that is in the thick of it in Africa to uh to being somebody that is basically a damsel in distress has to be rescued from the harbor at the end of the movie and it's just not a good look on her amy adams is too much of a badass lois lane is too much of a of a good journalist to be wasted away like that and uh it was it was disappointing to see her get sidelined for other characters and other pieces of the story that apparently were more important so I don't know. There are a lot of things about this movie that I like. There are a few things that I didn't like. But I think the thing that is going to make me want to keep coming back is watching that ultimate cut again. And I feel like based on what I saw from the two and a half hour movie and the stuff that I witnessed just from YouTube as part of the ultimate cut, this movie is going to get an eight out of ten for me. 
Wow. It's it's going impressive. It's going it's going to get an 8 because I I liked the writing in this a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, even if I didn't care for the execution, the script was actually pretty good. You know who did the screenplay for this movie? Yes. The guy, yes, I do. The guy who did the screenplay for The Rise of Skywalker. Apparently, you do the screenplay for Argo and Batman v Superman, and that qualifies you for Star Wars. Oh, yeah, and when you watch this movie and Rise of Skywalker back-to-back, and then you tell someone, hey, the same guy wrote both of them, everything makes sense. It really does. It really does. Regardless of how you feel about either movie, you, you, you look at those two kind of in sequence and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, it's a movie with uh, moments of brilliance and almost moments of, of sheer stupidity. And, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. And, it, you know, uh, am, which movie am I talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, bud. <laughs> but I, here, here's the thing. I feel like... I got a better glimpse of Snyder's vision for the universe with this film. A better glimpse than I got with Justice League and a better glimpse than I got with Man of Steel. I feel like if there was ever something that encapsulated the Zack Snyder DC universe well, it was this movie. At least Man of Steel to this movie, it's one person's vision. Yeah. Can't say the same about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. I'm just going to say that yeah. as someone who yeah. genuinely likes that trilogy. It's not it's not one person's vision and it shows. It's that's true. That is true. Oh. <sighs> oh. Let's not get into that. <laughs> no. No. That that's that's another podcast for another time. One that we don't really have time for to not. I, I, I feel like I'm just I'm walking in dangerous territory even mentioning Star Wars anymore. It's like, oh, don't even open that can of worms. <laughs> there are other podcasts for that. It's called uh, it's called Renegades. It's called the SWU. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force that on either of you guys. But um, there's plenty there's plenty of other great Star Wars discussion out there that. I'm more than happy to engage with you guys on Facebook with, and I'm more than happy to to engage with it on a Star Wars-themed podcast, but maybe not here, maybe not now. On to the quote of the night, shall we? Let's let's just... Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I I teased earlier that it would probably be something that had to do with Lex Luthor on the tower. We thought about Lois Lane for a little bit, but then I realized that the conversation between him and Clark was just so much more gripping and compelling, so... I, I feel like that is definitely worthy of being one of one of the quotes that you guys have a listen to here on the show. So I'm going to sh- stop talking. I'm going to shut up. Woo, got the hiccups. It's getting late. I'm going to shut up, and we're going to give you guys tonight's quote of the night. Boy, do we have problems up here. Uh, the, the problem of, of evil in the world. Uh, the problem of absolute virtue. I'll take you in without breaking you, which is more than you deserve. The problem of you on top of everything else. You above all. Ah, because that's what God is. Horus, Apollo, Jehovah, Kal-El, Clark, Joseph, Kent. See, what we call God depends upon our tribe, Clark Joe. Because God is tribal. God takes sides. No man in the sky intervened when I was a boy to deliver me from daddy's fists and abominations. Mm. I figured out way back. God is all-powerful. He cannot be all-good. And if he is all-good, then he cannot be all-powerful. And neither can you be. 
They need to see the fraud you are. With their eyes. The blood on your hands. What have you done? And tonight, they will. Yes. Because you, my friend, have a date. Across the bay. Ripe fruit, his hate. Two years growing, but it did not take much to push him over, actually. Little red notes, big bang, you let your family die! And now, you will fly to him. And you will battle him. To the death. Black and blue. Fight night. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. You think I'll fight him for you? Mm, yes, I do. I think you will fight, fight, fight for that special lady in your life. She's safe on the ground. How about you? Close, but I am not talking about Lois. No. Every boy's special lady is his mother. mother of a flying demon must be a witch. The punishment for witches, what is that? That's right, death by fire. I don't know! I would not let them tell me! Now, if you kill me, Martha dies. And if you fly away, Martha also dies. But if you kill the bat, Martha lives. There we go. There we go. Hmm. And now God bends to my will. Now the cameras are waiting at your ship for the world to see the holes in the holy. Yes, the Almighty comes clean about how dirty he is when it counts. To save Martha, bring me the head of the bat. Ah, mother of God! Would you look at the time? When you came here, you had an hour. Now it's less. Alright, well that's just one of the many quotes that are just so quotable from this movie. Again, like I said, the writing in this film is actually pretty good, in my opinion. It's just there's a lot of convoluted plot that is around all of it. So it's just it can just be kind of a mixed bag sometimes. Anyways, on to the final segment of the evening. It's one that you all know and love. It's one that we've done every time we've done this podcast uh, nobody's listening live because we were broadcasting live at a really weird time. So if you're listening on the tape delay, get out your hashtags and put them wherever hashtags can be found. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and anything else that carries a hashtag. It's time for another rousing edition of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue. 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 Watch. Yeah. 
All right, Ben, you've got the reins on this. You said you had an idea for a barbecue segment. What do you got for us? Well, I, I just wanted to announce to the world that uh, I actually went out tonight <gasps> and I actually had a meal in a restaurant. You had your first if you can COVID believe it. Meal. it it's just it's mind blowing. I went out and I went into a restaurant and they seated us at a table and then a waiter came and they served us food. It was mind blowing. I'm I'm still in awe of it actually happening. It felt like so long. So what did, what did you have? Where did you go? Give us the details, man. Well, well, just it, funny you mentioned that because we are in Barbecue Watch, and I went to Texas Roadhouse, which is a place you guys may or may not know. Um, uh, do you have Texas Roadhouse in Texas? Just for Texas the record. Roadhouse in Texas. Maybe if you were asking somebody in Alaska that, but that's like asking people in Australia if they've got Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I don't know. Do I they? don't know, but it, it's like the equivalent. Like it, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we, I, I figure. I figure we. You don't need Texas Roadhouse in Texas because you already have authentic Texas well, cuisine. See, see, see Texas. that's the thing is everybody goes everywhere else. I'm pretty sure Texas Roadhouse exists. But I never go because I know where the good stuff is. <laughs> exactly. It's like everyone in Texas is like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need your Texas Roadhouse. I have real we just, Texas We just stuff. call it Roadhouse. <laughs> there you go. Just call Roadhouse. <laughs> anyway. So what I got was a what, what they call a smokehouse burger. And what I got on it was uh, it comes with, uh, of course, your meat, which is they cook it like a steak, which is great. Um, and it was really like you could tell it was like this really like hand formed patty and it was really flaky, really good. And then you get cheese, you get uh, onion, you get barbecue sauce, and you get bacon. Um, I actually added bacon to mine. It doesn't actually come with that, but it, it was Darn good. I hadn't had a burger, especially not a burger, in a restaurant in a very long time. So uh, I was very happy. Sage, you had a you had a barbecue burger not too long ago that you posted in the Peacekeeper Corps, didn't you? Yeah, that was a, a homemade job up here. Um, it's home alone, so I figured the easy thing to do was uh, barbecue myself up a homemade burger. What uh, What type of sauce did you use? I'm a honey garlic guy. I uh, love honey garlic. Ooh, that does sound okay. Good. Okay, I can go for that. Kind of a kind of a sweet and tangy with a little bit of a little bit of a bite at the end there. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it, it's funny. There was a video that you shared not too long ago, Ben, about like these two guys that were doing taste tests of different barbecue sauces and trying them out on different types of meats. Rhett and Link. Yeah, 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 I forgot their names. It's too late at night for me to remember names. I'm lucky I remember Ben and Sage. Um, but it, it, it was funny because they, they went through several different uh, fan-voted and then like top-rated types of barbecues and did like a, like a top eight or something like that. And made it all the way to the to the final round, and the sponsor of the Texas Rangers, Sweet Baby Rays, ended up winning. Wow. And the reason I mentioned them being the official barbecue sauce of the Texas Rangers is because every time I go to a freaking Rangers game, I can't eat there. 
And let me tell you why. Because <laughs> the reason Sweet Baby Ray's is so sweet and tangy is it has pineapple juice in it. I've heard this. Yeah, I, 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 it, it seems weird, but it's true. This the, the pineapple juice is kind of a an ingredient they put in these. They things. they put them in more than Sweet Baby Ray's. There are other sauces that have it as well, and it's really frustrating that I have to go and look at the ingredients list on barbecue sauces to make sure that I don't have an allergic reaction because I am very allergic to pineapple. It's why I don't get pizza anymore. Like I haven't had a takeout pizza in years. Because if some dumbass so much as rolls a Hawaiian pizza and then rolls my pizza, it's enough to get me sick. Ugh, yeah, that 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 would yeah, suck. It that sucks suck. a lot. And so I can't have any barbecue-related food at a Rangers baseball game because of Sweet Baby Ray's. And anytime I see people talking about and praising Sweet Baby Ray's, I'm like, have you guys not tried anything else? Like, literally try anything else. They tried Stubbs, and Stubbs is pretty good. But uh, my favorite is Rudy's barbecue sauce. If you've ever been to Rudy's Country mm. Store, they sell their sauce by the bottle, and it is dang good. That's so cool. that's what I would put on my barbecue burger, and it's probably what I'm going to be putting on my barbecue chicken the next time I'm putting something in the crock pot. Sounds great. Man, all that talk of barbecue is making me hungry. I'm probably going to have barbecue for lunch tomorrow now. Thanks, you guys. I mean, I'm definitely going to have barbecue for lunch for tomorrow because that's where I work. I can't avoid it. You don't uh, you know, get takeout or have something door dashed over to your establishment while you're working? Every once in a while we get really tired of it. <laughs> Go down the street to something else. But, uh, yeah, that's a story for another probably, time. Probably. Probably. Speaking of another time, we probably need to start winding this time down. Sage, we were going to have you on just to talk about Renegades for a little bit. And ended up having you on for the whole show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your night and being a part of, of this episode with us tonight. Uh, it was definitely unexpected. Uh, I wasn't doing a whole lot tonight. and was, uh, It was a lot of fun to dive into a, uh, a movie that I don't watch all the time and uh, talk to two of you guys. It was good having you back. And uh, hopefully Jake misses another episode or two somewhere down the line so we can do this more often. <laughs> I'm going to tell Jake you said that. to wish on poor Mr. Damon, but <laughs> uh, looking, looking forward to having you back on here again soon, man, and looking forward to doing sequels and shots. And uh, just to close things out for the night, remind folks about uh, what, other, what other projects you're doing, Empire, Renegades, all that good stuff. Uh, the main one right now, guys, is uh, Star Wars Renegades podcast launching May 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Phantom Empire Facebook page and the Star Wars Renegades Facebook page. Or you can catch it Tuesday in its fully produced format on YouTube and or any of the popular podcatchers. All right. And you can catch our podcast Ooh. on ipcpodcast.podbean.com as well as Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and several other places. Uh, you can find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find our personal stuff. I mentioned Jake's earlier, Jake Damon or Jake W. Damon, depending on where you go. And you can find me at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice, or with a dot in the middle between Zach and the, if you're on Instagram, because I'm having a Jake problem where the guy who actually has the name Zach the Voice doesn't want to reach back out to me. So, Zach the Voice on Facebook and Twitter, Zach.TheVoice on Instagram. Ben, you're the only one with a coherent social media name everywhere you've got a platform. 
because no one wants Ben Hart with no E because that's dumb. Yeah. Um, but you I have it, so that. and that's why I chose it. That's why I have it on literally every platform that I want it. So uh, you can follow me at literally what it says, Ben Hart with no E, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, not posting literally much of anything on any of those right now just because I've been so busy, but uh, yeah, go follow me there. And, and of course, Star Wars in the World doing all that stuff and uh, Culture Slate doing all kinds of crazy stuff over there well speaking of crazy it is crazy late and it's time for these three crazy guys to call it a night but uh this has been a lot of fun looking forward to next week i believe we've got a top five on the horizon if it's not uh this coming week it'll be the week after that so uh be on the lookout on our facebook page for that prompt it may come at a different day than you're used to so uh just follow us on all those platforms so that you stay informed uh, on channel eleven thirty eight, the recording says one number. On the show notes, it says another. Which number is this? Um, uh oh. <laughs> what did I do? What did I do? What number is the? What number episode is this? This is a mystery that I will solve right now because I have to go to our official uh, hosting site. So last week was number 283. The week before that was number 282, so I can assume that this week is number 284. Okay, well, that's what happens when you do late-night podcasting. The numbers get a little convoluted and, and mixed up sometimes. And I'm going to go ahead and change the one on Mixler because I don't know why I put 285. Oops. Well, 285 <laughs> is next week, but now... Well, okay, okay. Wait a second, wait a second, wait uh-huh. a second now. Don't do this to me. I'm sorry, but last week was 284 but it is not up on the feed yet as we're recording this so this is 285 oh my gosh <laughs> can we please make up our minds it's 285 that is my final answer I promise sure. oh man who wants to be a millionaire that's a blast from the past <laughs> no okay uh, well oh boy. that officially is gonna do it for us it is way too late at night to be thinking about this kind of thing episode 285 is now officially unofficially in the books for sean Giroux and ben hart and jake damon i'm zach arnold thank you for tuning in with us we hope that you'll tune in again next time but until that time comes around we just want to leave you with this final thought The enemy of my enemy is my friend. We hope to see all you friends next time right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.
<laughs> I'm Lex Luthor. I'm goofy, and I'm gonna kill Martha. <laughs> Don't do this to me. <laughs> Ooh, let me put a Jolly Rancher in your mouth. <laughs> Here, Superman. It's a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> oh, it's too late for this. <laughs>